Well, today we're looking at part two of the 31 biblical virtues for you, that you should pray for yourself and for others. And as I mentioned, we're not going to do all 31. Uh, I did three last week, and I thought maybe I'd do three or four today, but didn't make it. We're doing three. And um, virtues are things that, well, we put it out here, virtues. Virtues are behavior showing high moral standards. So depicting a moral standard, and again, we are looking, and it's important that we understand that we are the image of Christ, okay? Now, dim reflection, should we say, but the, 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 the goal is to be that person. What are the things, what would be the virtues? If Jesus were standing talking to you, what would his virtues be? And so in our life, we're trying to see how, as Christ said, forgive, love, you know, restore, do the, you know, do the right thing in the right situation, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You see, we look at Christ and we see those virtues, and so these are the things we're learning about and making application of. You know, we've done the uh, series a few weeks ago on the vine and the branches, and again, God is the vine, Christ is the vine, we are the branches, the life that's in the vine is the life in the branch, the virtues that are in Christ are the virtues that are, can be exhibited, they are in us, but can be exhibited in us in our fruit. So we're wanting to have these virtues in our life as the fruit of our relationship with Christ. So that's what we're looking at. Today's text begins in Psalm 119, verse 97. And the psalmist is saying, Oh, how I love your teachings. I talk about them all the time. Well, teaching is, a, is the practical, implemented, imp, excuse me, can't read my own writing. Teaching is the practice implemented by a teacher aimed at transmitting skills, knowledge, know-how, and interpersonal skills to a learner or a student. Teachers, you should have told me that right off the bat, so I wouldn't have to look it up. So we find that the psalmist is declaring, I, oh, how I love your teachings. So there has to be a teacher. Who is the teacher? God is my teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. So the psalmist is speaking about how God is his teacher. And the great thing about this is God is also our teacher. So the same person the same personal God who taught the psalmist is the same personal God who is teaching us. Now, before we look at verse 97, it's important that we look at Psalm 119. Um, we all know what's the one characteristic of Psalm 119? It's the longest book in the Bible. <laughs> it's the longest chapter in the Bible, excuse me. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And we find the reason that it is the longest chapter in the Bible is um, the psalmist, uh, the Psalm 119 is an alphabetical acrostic because it's 22 stanzas of eight verses. Okay, 22 stanzas. What it, the, the 22 stanzas are, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and every letter has eight stanzas. And, and I, I'm, I think that each letter... Uh, that starts a stanza is used in each of the verses in Hebrew. So there's eight declarations of each letter in the, in the alphabet. So that'd be like taking our alphabet 
and making eight declarations about A, and starting with an A, and then B, and then make eight declarations about God, and B, you know, be kind, be, you know, all those types of things. So that's how we see, that's what sets Psalm 119 apart. And we find that joyful are the people of integrity is the, it's the central theme of Psalm 119. Joyful are people of integrity, virtues. And we find that joy and integrity are both virtues. And joy, the biblical joy, is, let me slow down, take it easy. <laughs> Sometimes I get running on and I don't know, you know, he who, he who thinks he leads and nobody follows is just taking a walk. <laughs> okay, so the pastor who runs on in his sermon finds out no one follows. <laughs> So, um, joy. Joy is more than happiness or a happy feeling. Uh, joy is a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. So, trusting God, it brings us joy. The joy in my spirit, the joy in my heart, doesn't, isn't coordinated or isn't connected to all the events that go on in life. The joy in my life is connected to the promises that God has given to me. And so I rest in, in him and the joy of his spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, so and, and we find that integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. So joy and integrity come together as virtues, and we find that Psalm 119 speaks of those, of those, two, of those two items. It kind of goes through the entire psalm. Joyful are people of integrity. So the psalm expresses a deep and an intense love for God's word. An intense love for God's word. If we don't know the word, we really don't understand God. Because how else are we going to know God except from his word? And his word helps us to interpret our feelings. Um, you know, the, the, the good, the bad, and the not so good. Uh, we find that God's word helps us to interpret them. And so the virtues that we find in our life, there can be negative virtues. But we find that the word of God teaches us about love and joy and forgiveness and peace and gentleness, meekness, kindness, long-suffering. Scratch that. Patience. Scratch that. You know, th there's, things that we <laughs> there's things that we need. So the word of the Lord presents, the word of the Lord is presented as the writer's comfort, protection, treasurer. The word is his rule for life, a delight to his heart and soul, a resource for all his needs. So when we start making application of the word, we find that God then is supply, he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Well, we often think that, okay, that's about money. <laughs> no, it's about everything in the spiritual realm, physical realm, in our soul, in our, it's the entire gamut of life. God is going to supply every need, and the more we know of his word, the more the word supplies the need. So the psalmist in 119 expresses a deep love for God 
by reading, meditating, praying, (laughs) pondering God's Word. So thinking about it, listening to it, stopping and thinking about it, pondering it, reviewing it. So we read the story, we think, we read, we apply the Word, and we continue to go. So the psalmist teaches us that we will grow in grace. Grace, God's unmerited favor, meaning that we don't deserve what we get, but he will give it to us. Mercy is, I did something wrong, I should be punished, God has mercy, he forgives me. So when we're receiving God's grace, we're allowing the word to speak to our heart that we are receiving things that are greater than who we are, and there's, there's no merit in us for us knowing it, but God gives it to us, his mercy. So, as we read Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. The instructions <laughs> represent an instructor and that God's entire set of teachings to the Hebrew people are given to him, given to them, and it started with Moses on the Mount Sinai. And sometimes that is known as the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, which is sometimes known as the Mosaic Law. But the law can be divided into three categories, and then I'll get back on whatever. But when we look at what God is trying to do for us, there is a moral law, which is God's holiness. There is a civil law, dealing with social life and society, and there is a ceremonial law dealing with the form and ritual of Israel and their worship of God. So all of our virtues generally stem from those three areas. Our moral law, that God is holy, morally pure, and he is right. So as we look at our virtues that deal with the moral life, as we look at the virtues that deal with our social life, and we look at the virtues that deal with our worship of God. So all of these things then fit into helping us, building our character, building the virtues that are inside of us. So a love for God's word. Psalmist is telling us, I love his word. Different expressions, we long for it. We, as we'll talk about later in another psalm, I thirst for it. It's, without it, it's, I, Jesus says, I am the living word. The scripture says that we are to eat the word. I think it's Ezekiel, meaning not figuratively tear the pages off, but we are to consume it. And it's to be part of who we are, that it is the word, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will never pass away. That's how important knowing the scriptures are. It is that which is eternal and will sustain us in this life and in the life to come. So the word of God dwells in us richly. Uh, If we did not have the word, we would not know what God is like. We would not know that God's promises are given to us for a lifetime. We wouldn't know about forgiveness, and we wouldn't know about heaven. We wouldn't know about the resurrection. We wouldn't know about his promise to never leave us nor forsake us. You see, knowing the word is our protection, is our shield, is our, is our armor of God. It just builds us up and holds us fast. 
that Jesus Christ is the rock of our, of our salvation. We stand upon the solid rock, Christ. Christ is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. We can't overemphasize how important the word is and to interpret it. The love of God's word. Oh, how I love your teachings. I talk about them all the time. I talk about them all the time. The psalmist is discovering that as he speaks about the word and reiterates it, you know, talks about it, who's he talking about it with? He's talking about it with others and is sharing the word together. I think, uh, I think of Wednesday night <laughs> that we, we sit around and uh, talk about the word, we discuss it. Sometimes everybody's just quiet. It's hard for me to keep <coughs> some individuals quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They're all quiet. You know, can everybody say anything? Well, love for God's word. We need to discuss it. We need to hear it. We need to understand it. I love your commandments, verse 119, 27. I love your commands before, excuse me, before. My dyslexic is really jumping in today. I love your commands more than gold, more than the purest gold. Therefore, I love the commandments of God greater than the riches of this world. Jesus said in Mark 8, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So the wealth of the world is not as important as understanding the, worth of the, the word of God. We find that when we know this truth that is given to us through the word, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, by knowing God's commands... He says, I love your commands. Notice that we have to always remember, God's commands are given to, for protection and for guidance. How does God protect you from evil? He gives you his word. We understand that God is with us, that he is a, he is a shield, he is a defender, he is the rock, he is the security. So we are, we are protected by the word, by Christ himself. By knowing God's commands, we know how God is providing for us. We know how God is protecting us. So whenever we start to worry, oh, how's this going to work out? How's this? What does the word say? So rather than doing the questioning and the doubting, we, we recall upon the word that we have in our own hearts. We are his. We belong to him. His word is alive in us. God himself is alive in us. We are connected to the vine. We are the branch. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. I love your commands more than gold. I love your Word more than gold. And in 1, 14, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. John is saying, we have seen the glory of God in Jesus go to the Mount of Transfiguration. They see the glory of God in Jesus. In the resurrection, they see the glory of God. So we find that I love your commands more than gold and more than purest gold. Because what can gold buy us? Only that which is temporal. The word tells us that God has purchased our salvation and given it to us. 
Deuteronomy 28, 14, 15. Do not turn aside from any of the commands that I give you. Don't let the commands that I have placed in your life fall, fall away. Remember them. Love for God's word. Oh, how I love your teachings. I love your commandments more than gold. In verse 28 of 119, And because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path or every false way. Because I consider the precepts, because I consider the, the word that you have given to me so important, every wrong path, I, I, I detest it, I, I hate it, I turn away from it. That which is going to take me away from the presence of God, take me away from the security I find in Christ, I need to turn away from it. <laughs> I need to let it go. I need to close my eyes. I need to, to function my mind to erase it from my thoughts because the word of God must stay secure in our hearts and our lives because I hate every wrong thing because that which would take me away from God will destroy my life. This virtue was love for God's word. The second, it's number 27 on your list if you're looking at the list. <laughs> it's a passion for God and it's Psalm 42. Notice, you know, a few weeks ago I told you I, I put all my sermons together in the, in the chapters in the books and so on. The, I think um, most of the Gospels are in there, Matthew and John are the two biggest, and I think the third biggest is Psalms. <laughs> so the third most sermons I've done in the last five years. Oh, I forgot to say, last week, Sunday before Thanksgiving, Sunday before Valentine's Day was our 42nd anniversary. Been here 42 years. Imagine that. We're on 40, 43, 44, 3. <laughs> 43, 40 more. Yeah, okay, I will be 75, 85, 95, 105. You're going gonna to be here, Ruth? Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ruth, be here another 40 years. Thank you very much. You know, I was thinking it's probably been 40 years for you. Yeah, you're one of the, you're one of the first ones we met outside the church. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we met her at home plate. I remembered. Yeah, that was a little restaurant down by where um, Subway is. Yeah. There was a big flashing sign out there, Roost Place, Roost Place. <laughs> so, no, it wasn't. There was, it was home plate. So anyhow, I have to get my, my input in there sometime. All right, the, the next section is Psalm 42. As the heart, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. We sing that, right, Tabby? Don't we have a song for that? As the deer panteth for the water. It's one of my favorite songs. We, we even sang that back whenever I was in Bible school, so you know it's an old chorus. But as the deer panteth for the streams of water, so my soul pants for, for God. This psalm is one of the descendants of Korah. Now, the descendants of Korah from the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi were the singers. I wonder what happened if you got somebody in there that couldn't sing. <laughs> I wouldn't be from the tribe of Levi. So, as the hart, or as the deer, the antelope, uh, panteth, 
Now, I was, I was reading this in about, um, like in, in um, Syria, central Syria where it's desert, we find that the animals and the herds of animals, they will come to these watering holes and they're so thirsty that they're ready to, you know, no matter what's in the water, they're, they're, they're going to drink. And you know, maybe you've seen those commercials or things where the, the alligators or crocodiles, I forget which one, it depends on the other teeth, which is an alligator and which is a crocodile. But they are in the, in the water creeping up and all these animals are standing around drinking because they're willing to risk their lives for a drink of water. And they do risk their lives for a drink of water. And we find that the, the psalmist is saying, as the deer panteth after the water, as the deer is willing to risk their life for the water, he's saying, so my soul is that thirsty for God. These are the words that are strong and excessive that speak of extreme thirst that is roused in an animal that has been fleeing for its life or in the desert has been walking for days unthirsty. So we get a glimpse of the psalmist's passionate longing to attend public worship. He's talking about his singing for God and his you know, wanting to be there in the presence of God. How long will it be until we have church? How long will it be until we enter into the, the tabernacle and hear the choirs singing the praises of God? Psalm 42.2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It's like saying, I got to get to church. I got to get there because I have to meet with God. I, you know, so there's this longing, there's this thirsting. My soul thirsts for God, thirsts for the living God. The psalmist declares that God is just cause for his thirst. God's presence is a just cause for his thirst. He did not thirst for glory, did not thirst for riches. He thirsts for the living God. That's the, the thirst that is in his soul. When shall I come to this special place of his presence? See, we can find that special place just being at peace with ourselves and with the word. How long will it be until I shall stand once more in the place of the tabernacle where they sing praises unto God? Our desire is to see Christ's purpose fulfilled in our lives and in the world around us. Will, will require, it will require a spiritual thirst like a deer that longs for the streams of water in times of drought. We're not living in a drought, but our soul is thirsting for God. Psalm 42.2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And the third virtue is, uh, it's number 31 on your list. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. <laughs> a heart to bring people to God. That's a virtue. <laughs> so virtues are behaving strong behavior, strong high moral standards. 
a disposition to choose actions, a virtue, a disposition to choose actions. Matthew 28, 19, this is the great commission of Jesus, his primary commandment, the task that he has given to us, go into the world. A virtue, a task that has been presented to us by God, is to go into the world with the message and teach. You cannot be a teacher without first being a student. And students are, we are students of the word. And all we are doing is teaching what we know of God. And the, what we know of God begins with God, begins with salvation, begins with understanding that he loves us, forgives us, and that he, he will do, he, will do he, he has done everything to bring us into this right relationship. He has given to us his mercy. We don't deserve it, but we've got it. And in this relationship with God, there is this hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus, on the basis of his, of his authority, commissioned his disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have the commission of the Godhead to be with us. And what does that commission bring with it? Teach new disciples to obey all commands, to obey the word, to obey what is written in the word, not to distort the word, not to philosophize the word or Christianize the society, but we are to take the word of God and present it as the truth of God to people's lives, that it will make a difference. And one other thing that is listed here, be sure, be sure of this, I am with you always. Never forget this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, a virtue, faith. The virtue of faith says God is with me always. I will never be alone. I will never be abandoned. I will never be forsaken. I will never be left, uh, left on my own devices because God has promised to be there with me. So we close where we began, a love for God's word. If we don't love his word, there is no thirst. If we don't love God's word, there's no knowledge of his desire to walk with us. If we don't love God's word, there's no knowledge that he will never leave us. That if we don't love the word, we don't know that he will supply all of our needs. We find that he is working with us. And so Jesus is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. He is now active and alive in us, his followers. God is personally interested in each one of his children. God has taken a personal interest in you. Now we take a personal interest in his word. And he, God, the Holy Spirit, will lead us into all truth. He will establish our faith, keep us strong, that we will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he, we shall be filled by the Spirit and by the Word. It is a challenging, it is comforting, it is assuring that we can never escape the presence of God. We can never escape the presence of God. I can never be where God is not. 
I am with you always. Love for God's word, a passion for God, a heart to help bring people to God. Those are the three virtues that I spoke of today. And they're number six, number 27, and number 31 on your list. <laughs> so take this list, and as I said, they're from Emerge. And um, you can read them over and take time to meditate on them, think of them, and look them up. And you won't have to spend an hour preaching on them, but you can talk about them. <laughs> so we're grateful for that. But as the deer panteth for the water, Brooke, so panteth my soul for thee. That's the song. Amen? As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for God. Father, we thank you for this promise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these virtues that are established and are being established in our lives. We ask you, God, to work in our hearts and lives, work in us into the image of Christ. May we know that the virtues that flow through you flow into the branch and are part of who we are, part of our DNA, our spiritual DNA. We thank you for this. And God, as we call upon you and allow your spirit to work in our life, God, these will be virtues that will produce fruit that other people may pick and find you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.